and welcome to Starburst Radio at Fab Radio International with me, Mike Royce, and Martin Unsworth, the editors of Starburst magazine. And it's got to be said, this is not... If we're glad to be doing this and speaking to you and spending time with you, but it's not the best of shows. Um, and what we're going to try and do is go over a few facts that maybe turn the frown around and I know a lot of us have been a little bit down since we got the news about a certain person and that is uh, Christopher Lee and he was an important person in Starburst in that he, he, I don't, I don't want to get too choked up or emotional or whatever because it's not, it's not going to make for good listening um, but yeah you know it's bittersweet talking about him at the moment because in a few months time he'll just be this guy that you talk about like with Peter Cushing um, and he's just that really ace person that contributed so much stuff to so many of us and we're all so happy with but at the moment yeah it's just happened and it's come to an end and look he had a really long life as well um, but it was always going to be sad this is just one of the big ones and we don't get this very often to and be honest he's, he's the last of the old school he is absolutely this is it I, I, I'm, I'm known for being a bit brutal about some stuff and also very upfront. and I don't, I don't really have much time for that sort of American heart on your sleeve thing where everybody's oh he was amazing and he's my best friend and I've always whatever but I really loved this guy um, I really really did it started really early on with me and I'm you know being honest about it I the weirdest thing I've got to say about Chris Lee is when I wanted to watch horror films I had absolutely no chance of watching them when I was a kid. And, you know, you've always got your mate who's going, oh, my my mum's letting me stay up, watch this, and, and my dad's letting me stay up, watch that, and you'd be jealous. And you know they were always lying, don't you? Mm. And they were just inventing it, yeah. And um, every now and again, there were weird things where if, if I was ill, for example, my grandma, she was a bit older, and she'd always say, well, you can stay up a bit longer you know yeah. and then she'd go on pottering around the house and I'd be there and literally every time I was ill it'd be some hammer horror or some film with Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and it. it always was and it got to the point where I know this sounds really weird but if I moaned a bit enough and said oh it's it's uh, can I stay up till you know uh, 11 o'clock or whatever and I was only like 12 or whatever she'd just go if she watched the film I know this sounds absolutely bonkers but I, I picked up on this as well to the point where I could even incorporate it into my strategy Yeah, where if Chris Lee was involved yeah, she was alright with that he was trustworthy oh, he'll be alright mm. even as a bad guy he was... yeah 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 this is not yeah. a yew tree Jimmy Savile situation mm. you know it, he's going to be he's going to be um, he's going to be alright and even though it was horror she sort of put a I know and she didn't even understand this stuff because she just he watched did, films he had a gravitas to it yeah 
and she bought into that yeah and she didn't even know she was doing it she mm. just she just said stay up you know it's all right oh you're watching this with him in all right and all that all of a sudden it's like this guy he's in it this film's not it's going it. to be it was a, a trademark of quality. Yeah, yeah. And she was always all right. And anything with his picture on, and, and this is crazy, this is why I used to get Death Skin. And it is weird. We work with Death Skin now. And um, when we were kids, Death Skin was kind of our hero. Wasn't yeah, he? he yeah, was doing yeah. all the, the, the House of Hammer the, the and House all that. The House of Hammer magazine and things yeah. like that before he did Starburst. And yeah. And my gran would bring me back, or my granddad, either one of them, uh, would, if, if, Chris Lee was on the cover of something, they'd bring it back. Oh, this is that guy that you like, you know, that we're all right with. Mm. He was almost like one of my friends had been round the house and been vetted, yeah. you know? Yeah. How rare that was where you'd bring a friend round and they'd go, oh, I like you hanging out with him. Yeah. And they like me hanging out with Chris Lee. Yeah. That sounds so stupid, doesn't it? No, but, but, but to a know. lot of people, you know, you, you, you uh, you go into these things and mm. they are your company mm. and the, your escape yeah you know it's a it's a fantasy world it's a different thing but it's an escape and you become to depend on these characters and these people you see why when I do, you didn't get at the time that you get you here now and sometimes you think oh they're so pompous aren't they yeah, yeah. where they go I'm not being part of that film I've pulled out of it mm. because I, I'm not happy with that film I'm not happy with the content and you think look it's a job he didn't always just take a job no and he and was always very f upfront about yes, them as he well was. Yeah. and, and he, he would not slag anything off he would say something might be beneath him or it might be ridiculous yes but he would have a good reason for doing it yes absolutely and when you actually think about it, as he, I mean, he never let us down on that, did he? Because even the Dracula films and the Hammer films, there was a spoke outspoken thing uh, that he did where he'd just go, "Well, I don't want to be in this, but I'll do it because I know there's a lot of fans." Well, yeah, yeah. The, the the famous thing was you know. uh, pretty much straight away almost he didn't want to be yeah. typecast. Yeah, and he wasn't happy with a lot of the scripts. But Hammer would come to him and say, we've sold this on you being in it. Yeah. And he was obliged to them, and he didn't want to put other people out of work. Yeah. And that was his, his uh, work ethos. Oh, I know. And we've got people that work for Starburst who have the same thing. Then they And do and you know what they've got in common? Um, and I know you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, when you watch people like Shauna... Um, looking like she's going to pass out on deadline weekend and everybody else where we everybody gives so much more to this magazine than than is represented in some cash you know way no, in some payment and it, it, it's, it's like, about not letting people down it is yeah it's a, and and also being aware that there are people that are reading the mag there are people that were watching those yeah, films yeah. and and that's it and the one thing we want to do tonight is is just say you know, we're going to uh, just listen to a couple of bits and bobs that he's done that might it's quite interesting stuff and also we're, he's going to read us uh, a bit of a horror story here and there oh. and then when we're done, we're done and and hopefully you've it's listened just, to this and, and we've all had a think about him in a positive way Yeah, but essentially I, what we're going to do is, is, is just salute the man 
Yeah, exactly. And, and thank him in, in our only humble way we can do. Yes. For everything he's done for us, really. Oh, absolutely. So what you're going to get uh, tonight, there's the uh, the prog rock album that he did. We've got a couple of tracks from that. Um, he's also done some spoken word stuff, and there's a story behind that that I'll share with you. Now, um, he he's one of the few people that with the Fab Cafe actually said, no, I'm not doing that. I wanted him to come and read Pan's Book of Horror. Yeah. With a green spotlight on him. Yeah. Just to a group of about a hundred of us in, in Fab Cafe in Manchester. And he went, No, I'm not I'm not doing that. Oh, it's a shame. And that it is a shame, but I was insulting his intelligence with that. Yeah. I was being a bit of a fanboy with him. And there's the problem where you've got venues and you're involved in this industry, you've got you doing a magazine now and all that but there's always somebody that that no matter how much you've got into the industry and that everybody's a fanboy to you and what what you know you're a uh, and you're a professional and everybody else around you oh well they're just people that are fans but we we work with these people we pay them money we book them and we do whatever but there's always a few that that you can't help but revert back to before that and yeah. you just become a, a blithering wreck when they're around yeah. and I've done it a few times I did it with Warren Mitchell I did it with uh, Robert Vaughan and um, I'd probably be on the floor um, foaming at the mouth if Roger Moore came in you know yeah. um, but Chris Lee damn you know the, the, the guy is so iconic such, the he voice such a gravitas the, to everything yeah yeah I, I wish I could explain it better he had some special thing like he Peter was, Cushing didn't he, he was so intelligent yeah I mean whereas Peter Cushing had the mm. uh, the, the the friendliness and the the, the down to earthness and sort yeah. of the kindness and the yeah the softness to him yeah he was totally yeah. against type when yeah. he was acting yeah Christopher Lee was very much uh Mm. Well spoken. Yeah. He was a multilinguist. He yeah. could speak so many languages. Yeah. He was so intelligent. Yeah. He knew what he was talking about. He was against type with what he was playing because yes. a lot of it was exploitation, horror, yeah, and course, this, that, yeah. and the other. Yeah. But he appreciated that that is a film. It's a job. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and he but he still did what he wanted to do with his own life and yeah, absolutely. And I've just got to say that the one thing that um, blew me away when you're reading, you read back to his uh, statements about people and all the rest of it, and you see, um, you see things, and then you go back to this era. You go, you have a read of stuff now, and you you see people that are together as a uh, double act almost, yeah, mm. uh, that are going on and the friends. And it's weird how, as kids, we all think they live together in a house and they're all... Yeah, the Morecambe and Wise mates. type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Morecambe and Wise were best mates. Mm. Now, no matter what the tabloids did at the time, and they were going, oh, well, Eric Morecambe's the talent and he's the straight man. Yeah. And you'd get people that should know better just saying that, but it was clear they were mates yeah. all the way to the end. And um, I just remember when Peter Cushing died that... Christopher Lee said, I'm never going to have a friend like him again. No. Ever. And and years later, somebody interviewed him 
and he said um, and he said you once said that you're never going to have a friend like him and they were probably expecting him to go yes were and then I met whatever and did that and yeah. he went yeah that's right and I haven't yeah. and um, I just thought bloody hell that's the, awesome the pairing I, I know were, a, were a class act I know, was, you, know you, do, you will not get that again I love the fact that they were best mates I know, yeah. and I don't, why do I like that so much why is it's, that good? It's that sort of thing that you know? you'd want for yourself, and you want that yeah. that camaraderie yes. to, to be real and genuine. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, yeah, you you guys, if you've got anything to say, you've got the Twitter account Starburst un- underscore Mag um, Studio at Fab Radio International dot com. And yeah, oh, suddenly I've lost my stutter. How, how yeah. amazing! Um, where I am going to have to sort that out though, but. Uh, yeah we'll go for a little bit of a break and then uh, after we've come back every time we go for a break we'll try and explain what we've just played from the great man does a man have to fight all his life only in death to take flight to the skies Warmongers why to take my throne No respect is ever shown To pope or prince, nor man nor beast And steal our cattle for to feast No earthly princeling mine shall take Or scandalous idolatry so fake Came in their hordes, ransacking villages, taking the spoils, with nothing to lose and possessions few. Bold, sturdy, fearless, and cruel. Defiant of baptism, on pain of death. Tough measures call for me to be ruthless. Example to the rebels, draconian for their worship of devils. How many times did I venture forth to the extreme wilderness of the north to subdue those whose hatred was great against churches and priests of our Christian state? Men all dead in one day, they would not renounce their heathen ways. Thirty years of campaigning consumed to subject those pagans to Christian rule. They flowing red with the blood of four thousand men that I did Saxon 
fathers out of Frankish soil And I return to learn that all is lost Yet my companions I trust The sword and the cross Those good industrious Frankish folk Who toil our lands with oxen and yoke Whilst Lombard, Bulgar and Moorish men Even glance at them Converting entire tribes by the sword In the name of Jesus Christo, our Lord On that day in Verdun, no mercy given Victory for the chosen people They would not renounce their heathen ways. Thirty years of campaigning consumed to subject those pagans to Christian rule. Welcome back to Starburst Radio and if you'd have played that to me back in the 70s I wouldn't have quite understood what was going on there. Why did he uh, decide to be part of, how would you describe that, a rock opera? Yeah, you know? Later on in his life he really embraced the, uh, there's a big thing in, in Europe of symphonic metal. Yeah. Um, it's quite. It's a really big thing over there, and um, because he was a trained opera singer, yes, uh, which not a lot of people realised, and yeah. he has sung in films before. Yeah, he has. Yeah, uh, but he was that. He he would be. We would hear stories of of co stars being yeah. serenaded by him backstage yes. and things. And, yes, uh, but he really embraced this uh, this symphonic metal. Yeah, and it's you know it's. He brought a whole new sort of uh, got loads of new fans for it. Yeah. Uh, in uh, he did an album. Do you think he was aware of this at the time? Yeah. That he was I don't think it was done purposely. 
He yeah. was. It was an outlet for him. Yes. Uh, in in 2010, uh, he got the uh, Spirit of Metal Award from Metal Hammer. You've got to at, be kidding me! Their their awards. Is ceremony. that right? That's yeah. a genuine thing. Oh my for, for, for his uh, for his album he did with Rhapsody of Fire. How amazing! Affair. How amazing is uh, that? So, and which is why when I put up the uh, the obituary on the website, I put that picture of him up doing the yeah. devil horn thing. Was he? That, so he was. He thing. was really chuffed with that. Yeah, he was. No. He was in his nineties and he was doing metal. Yeah, and 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 if I did anything and it is putting it in perspective if i did anything remotely cool enough yeah that my daughter who's like um mid-20s yeah um about 24 yeah if she invited me to some do yeah because i'm cool yeah yeah i'd be so chuffed you know yeah. <laughs> oh god but but to actually go on stage in your 90s and take an award like that yeah that's amazing isn't yeah, it absolutely yeah. it's absolutely astonishing and do, what is it about that voice it's that that uh sort of bassy is it baritone yeah the, yeah it's, but it's beyond that because because when you get an opera singer and then um sometimes people have employed opera singers and gone right we want them to be a deep villainous type yeah mm. And they just speak in the same tone and it doesn't go up, down or mm. whatever, yeah. They can't act, yeah. He can act. He was he was like um how can I put this? He was like a smart bomb, yeah. Yeah. He had the atomic weaponry, yeah. Yeah. But he could deliver it to a pinpoint, yeah. couldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was the uh it was that sort of range. Yeah. And it's coupled with the languages as well. Oh, God, yeah. Because How many languages did he have? I, I don't know exactly. I know he did at least four. Uh, I've, I've seen films. You know, with and, and none of them were Dothraki? No, <laughs> unfortunately not. Or Klingon. No, they otherwise were actually he, all useful. He yes. would have been in Game of Thrones probably otherwise, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the, in the, the 70s and the 60s and even the 80s, when when actors were going over to Italy or Germany to make films because there was nothing being made in England, yes, uh, he didn't have to get dubbed because yeah. he could go on set and speak in their language and get the original voice. In um, Horror Express, yeah, that's one of my um, favourites. It is. It's a great yeah. film, and I don't know that many people that share it with me and that like I was trying to say earlier when we were initially meeting and I I was reading what you'd wrote and I did not know anything about you then I hadn't no. met you no, yeah, I yeah. I had an image what you'd look like right and I blew that one yeah <laughs> no actually um oh god the only thing I got wrong was that you were tall. I thought you were taller and thinner. Yeah, right, <laughs> that's right, as hell. Yeah, right, right. No, no. The face, the hair, the lot. I knew you had a ponytail. <laughs> I absolutely knew you had a ponytail. I really did. And um, but it was. It sometimes it's nice to get to speak to some people where I'll say something and where yeah, like. We'll talk about stuff like it's a totally different partnership on the show with me, Chris, and me and you. Yeah. Where Chris, I'll I'll share a lot of stuff with him, and it's a totally different 
thing that we talk about sometimes yeah. and then he'd come back with me over certain bits and bobs and this stuff that he would know that I didn't know and this stuff I would know that he didn't know um, and me and you different thing entirely mm. And but the one thing that me and you share is this era with him Yeah, yeah and Horror yeah. Express is one of them films where when I was first reading about you and what you're into and all that one of the major things that I read right mm. in your first column you ever submitted to Starburst was wow I bet he, he's he's the guy I can talk to about Horror Express and yeah. they'll get me at last I love that film yeah it's excellent explain it to to anybody who's not seen it who's listening to this or or as not seen it for a while is and it just doesn't get how amazing that film is uh, the problem is with that film is it's in the public domain yeah so instantly it gets a bad rep yeah because you assume public domain films are lower class lower quality yeah they just they just blew the copyright yeah yeah that's it, it i mean i mean night of the living dead um, yeah. It's being denigrated because everybody's remaking it for three hundred quid. Yeah, yeah. But but it's all because of a slip up with the copyright. But the original is a great, incredible. But Horror Express. Horror right. Express. It it is. There's only one. Yeah. Boom. It is. Don't remake it. It is. The, Don't bother. The two legends, Mr. Christopher Lee and yeah. Peter Cushing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get Telecephalus in later on as well. Yeah. As a Cossack. As a Cossack, yeah. Wowzers. Because it was filmed in Europe. Wow. Uh, hey. On the Trans... Trans-Siberian. Uh, Trans-Siberian yeah, yeah, Express, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would you do that, by the way? If I did that as a Starburst... Um, that's our, our That's our trip. vacation. That's our, our Starburst vacation. Like um, Are You Being Served, yeah? Yeah. Where they went on holiday. Are we, we all have to go in. We've all got a little cabin. We're going across there, right? Do you trust I, me not to set someone up where they all turn up in the middle of the night? No, I don't asleep? trust you not to do anything. Yeah, I'd so do that. Yeah. But anyway, Horror Express. Anyway, yeah. anyway, Horror Express. Let's do it, though. <laughs> Horror Express is the... Uh, essentially, Christopher Lee has found a fossilised creature. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's taking it back to America to, to get yeah. analysed. Peter Cushing is a is a scientist. Yes, yes, who's he is. very curious about what's yes. what he's got in his box, and uh, but a lot of strange things happen yeah. around this box. Yes, uh, there's a there's a a strange guy at the uh, the station who tries to steal and drills a hole in. Yeah, uh, but then becomes not so much possessed, but he's he's yeah, he, his mind is wiped. Yes, and you know dead. Hmm. It's your classic seventies horror film. Yes. In that it's got all the the slocky elements you'd expect. Yeah. But it's got such a wry sense of humour. The dialogue is so sparkling. Yeah. But can I say that the there is one image in my head and I'm just wondering whether it's the same image from this film that you've got. Go on. Um of the the villain guy whoever it, I don't know who that actor is actually um, and he's got that Jesus thing going on yeah yeah and he's got them red eyes yeah and I absolutely crapped myself and and you know what I saw that not long after 
on the news I saw the Turin Shroud right yeah and I and it was a point where I was at a crossroads where I didn't quite believe anymore because I'd had so many bad things happen mm. that I was I I was at uh, shall we say a crisis point so I was ready to give up and then all of a sudden there's this picture of Jesus yeah from the Turin Shroud, yeah? And then a court, Horror Express as a rerun, right? Yeah. And I had that double whammy, and that weekend, my head, I wasn't even um, young enough or old enough or whatever to be thinking like this, stressed out and whatever, but my head was up my ass, right? Mm. I, I just didn't know what to think. And, you know, I'm just saying, they made that film a decade before I was watching it. Yeah, yeah. it was and about 73. It so scared the yeah. crap out of me. It scared the absolute crap out of me. It really did. Yeah, it used to be um, on TV a lot, and now it's not. I know. And it's a shame. You can get it on Blu-ray in America. Yeah. I've got yeah. it, and uh, it's Blue Underground put I it wouldn't out. say it's definitive of but Chris Lee or, or no. Peter Cushing, but it's, it, it's it, worth seeing it that. was one of them films that they, yeah. they made outside of their usual studios yes. yeah because uh, they usually work with hammer obviously yeah, absolutely occasionally yeah. did some stuff with amicus yeah uh but it was an outside thing but just the the, the chemistry between them was so electric and yeah. so wonderful it was and and if if somebody's not seen it how are they going to get this film uh Short of getting the, the the brilliant quality American Blu-ray, which is I think region locked, if I remember rightly. Yeah, but we've all but, got them, haven't we? We've but, all got them machines, yeah. so we can always uh, get round that. So yeah. blue and blue underground will put it out. Right. To be honest, I think we should sort of like really set a petition arrow or somebody like that to do it. Yeah. Because it's worth it. Well, I'm just gonna say now, Starburst is so behind Arrow films. Yeah. Mm. They uh, Arrow and Eureka. To me, yeah. produce the best releases going, and they do. They make, they make a and, difference. And yeah. you know what? You've seen adverts for both of them in the mag, and that's it. And and you can just think I'm just saying this, right? But you have to I buy their stuff abs- and find out. It's great. I absolutely love everything that they bring out. Yeah, they are not just somebody that advertises in the mag. They're not just somebody that it's whatever. I. I'm a lottery winner. I have a magazine where these companies are putting adverts in the mag and they're producing every single release that I want to happen. Yeah. yeah. And that's so good to me. Uh, I Because I can just tell you now, I love everything they've released, yeah? And I don't have to lie about it. And we've got that. We can put the advert in and do whatever. But I've got to say now, um, Eureka... An arrow. One one of you has got to do Horror Express. Yeah. Yo. The the HD transfers out there. Yeah. Because I've got it. Yeah. But uh, you know, if you haven't got the access to the Blu-rays, yeah. go on to archive.com or yeah. archive.org. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's it's public domain. Yeah. You can download it. It's a great film. Oh, seriously, you won't you won't be disappointed. Well, there is another movie now. And um, we're going to play a little track from that and then uh, get back and have a little chat about um, how this came about, yeah? 
Might I say that I'm old-fashioned, Trevan or That I want a fresh Manhattan with white Anglo-Saxons everywhere. A black Russians, no pink lady, give her the Singapore sling. A Moscow mule is not your baby, so highball the vodka and name your sting. Be a big shot. With a bull shot, be a swine, meet a pine. Have a shot, or a pot, or a snort of any sort. Rusty spumante, uno chianti, party fine. I got a big army cocks. A gin and tonic on the rocks Where angels fear to tread I say, choose your bows, let's hit the red eye Think of young Diana Durbin And how she sung on rum and bourbon Or enhance your luncheon hour With a planter's punch and a whiskey sour If you feel like a wreck, try a horse's neck Or a sherry with a cherry in the new fantasize If you Poison, I'll have to get the boys in the spirit of adventure opens one's eyes. If you don't name your poison, I'll have to get the boys in, and you'll never see another tequila sunrise. Live happily ever after. With a shabbly and some laughter Between the sheets is lovely With a dizzy blonde and a bottle of bubbly There's nothing sicker in society Than a lack of liquor and sobriety So, down the hatch, there's mud in your eye Take a bracer with a chaser, wash it down with rye Bottoms up, stir a cup It'll put you in the pink And all you have to do is drink Drink, drink, drink Welcome back to Starburst Radio at Fab Radio International and we're going to continue talking about somebody that, I don't know, how important. do you describe him? Important, ah, don't back it. Doesn't it, does do it. it. Doesn't no, do it, it doesn't. Enough. It doesn't do it. Um, like I said, if on the day you saw a gateway into the uh, Starburst website where it's uh, just a picture of him and you had to click a link to get in, you will only ever see that maybe another couple of times. There's this not many other people that are deserving of that sort no, of No, not uh, at all. Um, and, really. and I'm not trying to build us up going, wow, we did that, that, we're so cool. It's, it's just not, that, It's not about us, it's about 
respecting somebody who yeah. has meant a hell of a lot. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 I reckon we'll continue to do so um, in the coming years. Here's the thing: glass half full, but he's died at a point where every single thing that he's done is now archived. Yeah, digitally, perfectly can be only improved upon from this point yeah so everything that that has happened so far you'll only get to see in a better format yeah, yeah? it's been saved yes basically so there is so one or two good. of his lesser films that are still yeah. a bit ropey uh, but and and talking of such captain invincible yeah the return of captain invincible go on then uh first time i saw that here we go we've never discussed this no. yeah let's discuss this um i was reading starburst Mm. And I saw a poster for that yeah. in the uh, things to come section, yeah. and I thought, "Oh my God, Chris Lee's in that." Yeah, and, Alan Arkin. And I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not interested in him. Yeah, no, Chris Lee. That was it. Um, did you want to see it because you saw that and he was in it? Well, because see, I did. I think for the first time I saw it. Yeah. I saw that song. Yeah. That's a re-record. That's from one of his albums. Yeah. But that. They played that clip. Yeah, I think maybe on Tiz was. All right, okay. Uh, and the film did absolutely nothing over here. Yeah, no. It, yeah. it was no cinema release. It went straight to can video. Can you get it now? Uh, you can get it on American DVD. I don't Is think it's out over there here. any point in watching it now? It's enjoyable. Yeah, it's got a lot. You know, it is a musical. Okay, there's, there's a few musical songs in it. Yeah, and it's essentially a Alan Arkin is a superhero. Yeah, who's an alcoholic. Yeah, and Christopher Lee. Yeah, is the super villain. Yeah, who's trying to get him to drop off the wagon, and that's hence that song. Yeah, but in it, great that it is. It's it, it's mystery men before mystery men. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, that's it. Yeah. It's, and any of you have not seen that bloody film, you should have. Yeah, it's it, but it's yeah. I saw that that clip on on Tiz was or whatever mm -hmm. show it was, and and I thought that's amazing because that's that yeah. guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, you um, know, and he's what a cracking voice. Yeah, and he he can sing as you've heard tonight. He can sing really really well. I saw that in Starburst, and I wanted to see it. Yeah, and then and then I saw that. And I kind of remember it, and it's sort of in that Condor Man era, yeah. where you saw people that you weren't used to in certain roles, and they'd yeah. be on a film poster, and you go, "Oh, I've got to go and see that." Um, and then I'm I'm watching all the stuff on Channel Four and on uh, BBC Two and everything else, and then all of a sudden he does he does House of the Long Shadows, mm. yeah, and I'm thinking, "Wow." Vincent Price, him, Peter Cushing, but I didn't know John, John Carradine. John Carradine. I didn't know him that well as the other as the others. And then instantly he was in that film. I started looking up what he'd done, and then started watching that stuff. And and this is how this happens, isn't yeah, it? But that, that was the, the 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 holy sort of yeah quadrilogy. So and that I get was a PG or whatever it ended yeah, up. Yeah, it was yeah. meant to be a comedy. Yeah. So yeah. And um, it's nice to see him together, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was. Uh, it was written by Michael Armstrong, right? Who uh, wrote and directed *Mark of the Devil*, right? Uh, and it it was meant as a comedy. Yeah, 
Of course. Uh, and as a pastiche of those classic old Dark House movies. Did you like when uh, Peter Cushing, they talked about, have you left your car near here? And he went, automobile? Yes, I've... Uh, and and I just got... And I was, I was a young guy who, at that time, I should have really hated anything like that. I should have been like, oh, they're not cool. I want to go out and, and drink underage and do crazy things. But I just thought, oh, what a nice blood. Oh, isn't he nice? Isn't he well, nice? It, all of them. The, the, all it, of them are it nice. It was, they were, they were, especially that film, they yeah. were taking their stereotypical images mm. and just playing off them, really. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a, it's, so, a, it's an odd film, but it's, it's a great yeah. film. So in 20 years' time, are me and you going to be doing this show about Desi Arnaz Jr.? Uh, probably not. I think not as well, and that's sad. It is in a way. He's got heritage, but yeah, yeah. We are I talking about we are talking about something else here, aren't we? This is a totally different album that we'll uh, talk about. And if we go beyond midnight, we do apologise, but we'll make it up to you in some way that we never do. Um, <laughs> here we go. Hello, my name is Christopher Lee. And these are my fireside tales. Feeling lucky? I've just the thing for you. This is The Monkey's Paw by W.W. W. Jacobs. In the small parlour of Laburnum Villa, the blinds were drawn and the fire burned brightly. Father and son were at chess, the former putting his king into such sharp and unnecessary perils that it even provoked comment from the white-haired old lady knitting placidly by the fire. There he is, said Herbert White as the gate banged. The old man rose with hospitable haste and opened the door was heard condoling with the new arrival. A tall, burly man, beady of eye and rubicund of visage. Sergeant Major Morris, he said, introducing him. The Sergeant Major shook hands and, taking the proffered seat by the fire, watched contentedly while his host got out whiskey and tumblers and stood a small copper kettle on the fire. At the third class, his eye got brighter and he began to talk, the little family circle regarding with eager interest this visitor from distant parts as he squared his broad shoulders and spoke of strange scenes and doughty deeds, of wars and plagues and strange peoples. Twenty-one years of it, said Mr. White, nodding at his wife and son. When he went away, he was a slip of a youth in the warehouse, what was that you started telling me the other day about a monkey's paw or something, Morris? The visitor absent-mindedly put his empty glass to his lips and then set it down again. His host filled it for him. Well, it's just a bit of what you might call magic, perhaps, said the sergeant major offhandedly. To look at, it's just an ordinary little paw dried to a mummy. He took something out of his pocket and proffered it. 
Mrs. White drew back, but her son, taking it, examined it curiously. And what is special about it? Mr. White took it from his son and placed it upon the table. A holy man wanted to show that fate ruled people's lives and that those who interfered with it did so to their sorrow. He put a spell on it so that three men would each have three wishes from it. His manner was so impressive that his hearers were conscious that their light laughter jarred somewhat. Why don't you have three, sir? said Herbert White cleverly. The soldier regarded him in the way that middle age is wont to regard presumptuous youth. I have, he said quietly, and his blotchy face whitened. And did you really have the wishes granted? asked Mrs. White. I did, said the sergeant major, and his glass tapped against his strong teeth. Has anybody else wished? The first man had his three wishes, yes. I don't know what the first two were, but the third was for death. That's how I got the paw. He took the paw and dangling between his front finger and thumb, suddenly threw it upon the fire. Oh, White, with a slight cry, stooped down and snatched it off. If you've had your three wishes, it's no good to you now then, Morris, said the old man at last. Better let it burn. If you don't want it, Morris, give it to me. I won't. I threw it on the fire. If you keep it, don't blame me for what happens. Pitch it on the fire again like a sensible man. The other shook his head and examined his new possession closely. How do you do it? Hold it up in your right hand and wish aloud. But I warn you of the consequences. Why, we're going to be rich, famous and happy, said Herbert as the door closed behind their guest. Mr. White eyed the poor dubiously. I don't know what to wish for. I've got all I want. If you cleared the house, you'd be quite happy, wouldn't you? Well, wish for 200 pounds, then. That'll just do it. His father, smiling shamefacedly, held up the talisman as his son sat down at the piano and struck a few impressive chords. I wish for 200 pounds, said the old man distinctly. A fine crash from the piano greeted the words, interrupted by a shuddering cry from the old man. Oh, it, it moved, as I wished. It twisted in my hands like a snake. They sat down by the fire again, while the men finished their pipes. A silence settled upon all three, which lasted until the old couple rose to retire for the night. I expect you'll find the cash tied up in a bag in the middle of your bed, said Herbert, as he bade them good night and something horrible squatting on top of the wardrobe, watching you pocket your ill-gotten gains. Next morning, the wintry sun streamed over the breakfast table. There was an air of prosaic wholesomeness about the room, which it had lacked on the previous night. The dirty, shriveled little paw was pitched on the sideboard with a carelessness which betokened no great belief in its virtues. The idea of our listening to such nonsense, said Mrs. White. Morris said the things happened so naturally that you might, if you so wished, attribute it to coincidence, said Mr. White. Well, don't break into the money before I come back. Herbert rose from the table. His mother, following him to the door, washed him down the road, and returning to the breakfast table, 
was very happy at the expense of her husband's credulity. Herbert will have some more funny remarks, I expect, when he comes home, she said as they sat at dinner. I dare say, said Mr. White, pouring himself out some beer. But for all that, the thing moved in my hand. What's the matter? His wife was watching a man outside, peering in an undecided fashion at the house. The well-dressed stranger stood with his hand upon the gate, and then with sudden resolution flung it open and walked up the path. Mrs. White brought the stranger, who seemed ill at ease, into the room. I come from Moore and Meggins. The old lady started. Is anything the matter? Has anything happened to Herbert? Her husband interposed. There, there, mother, don't jump to conclusions. You've not brought bad news, I'm sure, sir. I'm sorry. Is he hurt? The visitor bowed in assent badly. But he is not in any pain. Oh, thank God, thank God, thank... She broke off suddenly as the sinister meaning of the assurance dawned upon her. She saw the awful confirmation of her fears in the other's face. He was caught in the machinery, said the visitor. Caught in the machinery, repeated Mr. White, dazed. The other coughed and walked slowly to the window. The firm wished me to convey their sincere sympathy with you in your great loss. Moore and Meggins admit no liability at all, but in consideration of your son's services, they wish to present you with a certain sum as compensation. Mr. White, rising to his feet, gazed with horror at his visitor. How much? Two hundred pounds. The old man dropped a senseless heap to the floor. In the cemetery, two miles distant, the old people buried their dead and came back to a house steeped in shadow and silence. It was about a week after that the old man woke suddenly in the night. The room was in darkness, and the sound of weeping came from the window. Come back, he said tenderly. You will be cold. The old woman wept afresh. Her sobs died away. The bed was warm his eyes heavy with sleep. He dozed fitfully, until a sudden wild cry from his wife awoke him with a start. The paw! The monkey's paw! She came stumbling across the room. You've not destroyed it! It's in the parlour on the bracket. Why? The wishes! We've only had one! Go down and get it! And wish our boy alive again! The man sat up in bed. He struck a match and lit the candle. Get back to bed, he said unsteadily. You don't know what you are saying. Go and get it and wish. He's been dead ten days. And besides, I would not tell you else. I could only recognize him by his clothing. If he was too terrible for you to see then. How now? Bring him back! The old woman dragged him toward the door. 
he went down in the darkness and felt his way to the parlor mantelpiece. The talisman was in its place, his brow cold with sweat. His wife's face as he entered the room seemed to have an unnatural look upon it. He was afraid of her. Wish, she cried in a strong voice. It is foolish and wicked. Wish. He raised his hand. I wish my son alive again. The talisman fell to the floor. He sank, trembling, into a chair as the old woman with burning eyes walked to the window and raised the blind. He sat until he was chilled. The candle end burnt below the rim of the candlestick until with a flicker it expired. The old man crept back to bed and a minute or two afterward the old woman came silently beside him. Both lay silently, listening to the ticking of the clock. A stair creaked. The darkness was oppressive. Screwing up his courage, the husband took the box of matches and, striking one, went downstairs for a candle. At the foot of the stairs, the match went out. He stood motionless until the knock was repeated. Then he turned and fled swiftly back to his room. What's that? cried the old woman, starting up. A rat, said the old man in shaking tones. It's Herbert! She ran to the door, but her husband, catching her by the arm, held her tightly. It's my boy! Let go! I must open the door! For God's sake, don't! The old woman broke free and ran from the room. Her husband called after her appealingly as she hurried downstairs. He heard the chain rattle back. Then the old woman's voice strained and panting. The, the bolt! Come down! I, I can't reach it! But her husband was on his knees, groping on the floor in search of the paw. If he could only find it before the thing outside got in. A fusillade of knocks reverberated through the house. He heard the scraping of a chair as his wife put it against the door. He heard the creaking of the bolt as it came slowly back. At that same moment, he found the monkey's paw and frantically breathed his last wish. The knocking ceased. He heard the chair drawn back and the door opened. A cold wind rushed up the staircase and a wail of disappointment and misery from his wife gave him courage to run down to her side and then to the gate beyond. The street lamp, flickering opposite, shone on a quiet and deserted road.
These fireside tales are abridged by Tamsin Collison. With music by Chris O'Shaughnessy and produced by Frank Sterling. They are a unique production for Radio 2. This is Christopher Lee wishing you a very happy new year. But well, that was that, chilling. It was brilliant. That's wasn't it? that's him. That's what he does. And I hope, hope you're listening at home and you had your shivers because we were listening in silence yep. to that. It was wonderful. Yeah. No, these. Um, I've got a couple of emails, so I'll do them and then we uh, move on. Um, David Lloyd is saying, enjoying the shot. Thought I'd share my debt to Christopher Lee. I have to say my love of film grew from those weekend BBC Two Hammer double bills in the late 70s, early 80s. I've got to say now, um, David, we, uh, we're the same. Yeah. You know, we, we all got into it with that and, and this guy helped us. I was only a little and way too young to be staying up too late to watch TV, but my dad will let me stay up with him to watch them pretty much every week. And you know what? That's, That's the, the same, same, same as us two, yeah. What I was yeah. saying, where my gran had been, oh, he's in it, it's okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, it was a great bonding experience. The Universal Horror and then the Hammer one. Great days. Christopher Lee was such a big part of that and terrified me time and time again. The Satanic Rites of Dracula, um, the introductory yeah, music the, uh, to this, music, yeah. this show, yeah. Yeah. Um, Horror Express yeah, and The Creeping Flesh um, are all vivid delights that I recall the watching even now 30 odd years later him and Peter Cushing were there to keep me company when my old man had fallen asleep and I'll just say this like he was my babysitter and um, you feel the same way Yeah. whilst I still watch aghast and enthralled break times he had a good life and truly was the last of the greats. Uh, cheers to Christopher Lee for all the times we spent together. So many great films, chills, and memories. And you know that's a that's you can't, you a great can't say way. it better than that. He no. was he was the last of the the legends. Yeah. And Mr. Pollard has, has sent uh, a missive. Yeah. Mm. Sir's great tribute to Sir Christopher Lee. The two of you are doing a wonderful job and it's certainly an emotional subject for many of us. The thing with Sir Chris is that he was an icon of genre cinema, yet he transcended all genres of film, becoming more than just an actor and essentially being a British institution. There's Dracula, Scaramanga, Lord Summer Isle... Saruman, Count Dooku, and a shitload more. It's truly, it's said to talk of him in the. It's if, oh wait a minute, that's Sad. spelling mistake. Yeah. Don't you hate Outlook when it does that? Yeah. Yeah. It's truly sad to talk of him in the past tense. That's not your fault, Andrew. That is uh, the computer you're using, yeah? Um, <laughs> you've done a great job of paying tribute to a great man. Thank you very much. We appreciate Well, we that. hope we have, um, because uh, there's not really much we can do. It's, yeah. It's all 
Yeah. Platitudes, isn't it? Yeah. And I hope there's a glass being raised to Sir Christopher Lee tonight. It certainly brings a tear to the eye. It, it, it does to us. Um, yeah. That's why I didn't really want to do this. But at the end of the day... We didn't want to let it pass either. Well, no. I'll be honest, Martin. You you were with me on this page where you said we can't do one of these stupid episodes where we're dicking about everything's going wrong, and then at the end go, oh, we kind of miss Chris Lee. He was awesome. Yeah. No, no, this is his little bit. There you go. This is how important this is. How important this, is. is. There's so many movies. Um, I got into Dracula late in the day, actually my mate was at primary school and he made me feel like my world depended that weekend on watching Taste the Blood of Dracula yeah Mm. and I've got to say if you've not seen it there's a lot of really interesting things in it and even if Chris Lee is not the um, he, he doesn't have much dialogue because he fucking really, really didn't want to be playing that part then. Mm. But he owns it. He comes in and the minute he's on mm. screen, he just devours the entire thing. You just look at him and go, oh, my God, you know. And and this was supposed to be um, pop, pop cult trivia, yeah. Um, he was that fed up with it that he said well I'll do this but film some scenes where someone else takes over yeah so kind of like Doctor Who doing a regeneration scene yeah and then Ralph Bates did it and um, he was supposed to end up being Dracula yeah in this film and then Chris Lee just went no it's alright I'll do it he just he just couldn't quite let go and it ends with this most bizarre sequence where Dracula just crumbles away because a church is devouring him, and you've got to see it. But I've just got to say, the most beautiful piece of music, and it's one that, that Chris Lee commented on, is the beginning of Taste the Blood of Dracula. It's a beautiful uh, piece of music leading in, and he uh, it's one of his favourite bits. Um, and he just still even after that carried on then you've got Dracula AD 1972 where he didn't even want to be doing that of course he didn't he didn't have to but Hammer just said please just be in it yeah Yeah, please we promised the investors but I've got to say if you want a homage to Chris Lee we've been doing it for four and a half years because that is our title theme music we ripped it from Dracula AD 1972 because it's so cool. It's it's kind of like an update. It's like the 60s trying to be the 70s, yeah? yeah. Which sort of encapsulates our, our show. Our, our outlook. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the whole thing about we're way behind everyone else, but we are still looking forward in a strange we're so f- way. We're so far yeah. behind we're in front. Indeed. I love that. We need to just do that on the yeah. magazine. Or shall we just keep the longest running magazine? Yeah, that's probably easier, better, yeah. So far ahead, we're in front. Yeah. Oh, so so far behind, we're in front. Yeah. Boom. We'll do that then, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, but earlier, you played a track from Charlemagne. 
Yes. Was one of his uh, his metal al- albums. Yes. Uh, and not a lot of people know. Although, if you'd listened to any interviews with uh, with Sir Christopher at the time, yes, he, he was not adverse to uh, explaining this. Yes. Uh, his mother was related to the real Charlemagne. Right. Okay. Uh, it was a distant relative, but uh, but Charlemagne was uh, Charles the Great, Charles the First. In the Middle Ages, he was the first uh, proper Roman Catholic uh, Pope, or whatever, yeah. it, or whatever it was, and it's a legendary figure, and it meant a lot to him to do that album. Yeah. Uh, and the similar thing with the the Dracula character. Yeah. He did an, a fil- version with uh, Jess Franco. Mm. And Jess Franco is, you know, he's thrown away by a lot of people for being schlocky no, no, or whatever. No, Spanish director and yeah. again, not long, no longer with us. But Christopher Lee did that version of Dracula when he wouldn't do stuff for Hammer. Yeah. Because the story was nearer to Bram Stoker's Dracula. And that was important to him. Yeah. He had that integrity to everything. He wanted it to be as yeah, real as possible yeah so it was you know it's it's an important thing to him that everything was genuine but counterpoint to that it's good to know sometimes that people can do what we did in Leicester yeah <laughs> and um, there's sometimes he didn't take himself quite that seriously. Yeah. Oh no, he, he was he, he did a lot of stuff yeah. that was uh, again like we played earlier well, the the yeah. Captain Invincible oh, was a uh, yeah, but this isn't this is even worse. Oh really? Oh yeah. Oh god. Und der Heifisch, der hat Zähne, und die
And welcome back to Starburst Radio for our final little segment before we uh, go into the twilight. Uh, Andrew Pollard, you, my online editor matey boy, yeah? Do you like that? Yeah, that's, sure, that's not that. It's not really. That's a not title, like a boss is thing, is it? What do you mean? It's not a boss thing. <laughs> Right, here's the thing. I just want to make it clear now. Anyone who works with me, right? Yeah, no, you're not. You're not a boss. Initially, initially, they've overcome that bit where they've met me, right? And we, so, we so, forgive you. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they're still working with me. So, so yeah, you don't do the boss thing. Then it's kind of like, oh, thanks for putting up with me. Woo, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway. Mr. Andrew Pollard, the amount of time dedicated to Sir Christopher Lee makes me proud to be associated with this fine magazine. It's so tear-jerking to see an outlet give such time and dedication to Sir Chris, doing their best to do justice to his incomparable career. Again, props to you both and to Unzi's girth. There you go. He has to bring it down, didn't he? Yeah. But where were you in uh, Leicester, eh? Right? Don't say that because he'd be pid off that uh, he wasn't invited. He could have come. But it's just, I wouldn't have invited anyone to Leicester. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, right, okay. Yeah, Retract that one. Yeah. Retracted. So befo- let's end this. Before we go, let's, let's, let's run through some of Sir Christopher Lee's greatest achievements. Okay. And, and just... Take into right, perspective. Okay. Let's play squash with this. Yeah. Right? Bat him across. Yeah. Boom. Some of the great Go people on. that he's played and the great characters. We've got the obvious ones. Count Dracula. Yeah. He's played him numerous times with the Hammer films, as I mentioned with Jess Franco. Yeah. Uh, and he never did him as a snarling beast. No. Did he? And he yeah. didn't play him as a caricature either. No. Okay. Uh, the Frankenstein monster, his breakthrough role, really, yep. for Hammer films. Yep. It was the first colour horror film yep. in Britain. Yeah. Uh, fantastic makeup. Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, we're doing a uh, a three part Frankenstein, Hammer Frankenstein tribute. Yeah. Uh, in the Sherlock Holmes films, he's played Henry Baskerville. Yeah. He's played Sherlock Holmes himself. Yeah. I know. And he's played Mycroft Holmes. I know, yeah. Yep. It may be not P- PC, but he's played Fu Manchu numerous times. Yeah, he did. Yeah. The world will hear from me again. Exactly. Yeah. We've we've talked about Horror Express. Yeah. He's done Nayland new- Smith yep. was chasing him for years and he evaded his capture. Very much so. And of course, Lord Summerisle. Yes. In The Wicker Man, which is yep. still one of the greatest movies ever made. And it was actually one of Christopher Lee's favourite roles. Yeah. It was a film he felt very passionate about. And he it, he was a, an advocate of finding the missing footage. Uh, he played Scaramanga in The Man with the Golden Gun, the yeah, James Bond film. Yeah, and you know film. what? And you know what? I loved that film. Yep. And everybody has a pop at that film. And he was so awesome in that as, a, a Scaramanga a I love his third nipple I want as you do you don't know what I'm going to say go do on you? you want his island I to do, live yeah. in yeah oh how cool would that be yeah they're going to come and see you 
and you're a hitman. You're obviously a criminal, but it doesn't matter. It's fine. You're out of extradition or whatever. And they come and land in the plane, and then, oh, he was brilliant. And 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 you know what? Out of all the Bond villains, yeah, you might have a better film. I know. I'll say now, Spy Who Loved Me is a way better film the man with a golden gun yeah but the big bad guy you can't beat him he's not even in the same league no. he's one of the best Bond villains ever and he he was absolutely incredible the only signed picture I've got of Christopher Lee is a Scaramanga picture well that's fine yeah mm-hmm. and did you like it when he was building the gun out of the yeah the, the, the cigarette pack and the the pen and the stuff and and god damn it how cool does but anybody need to be what a lot of know? people don't realise is he was offered the part of Doctor No no I know that actually yeah, yeah. oh do you think I didn't know that uh, well I knew you would I'm talking well, to our listeners well uh, but yeah he couldn't take that part it was already no. taken somewhere else but he was offered it yeah but and Joseph then, Wiseman was pretty good. Oh yeah. But I've got to say now, um, Scaramanga. It was um, better suited to him. It was better suited, but I've just got to say, uh, the only reason he's not the best Bond villain ever is that that film is viewed as so badly made. Yeah. And I've got to say, um, end of story on this one. The. The fact is, there was a massive fight going on with the broccolis and the salt and Harry Saltzman, yeah, and they were at breakup point to go on to Spy Who Loved Me. They wanted to do more of a carry-on movie with a spy, yeah, mm. and Saltzman wanted more of a gritty, earthy um, spy, and you won't hear this anywhere else, but that's what what was going on, and. Um, uh, if you look at Diamonds Are Forever, it's one foot in Spy Who Love Me and one foot in uh, Man With A Golden Gun, yeah? And that's it, and it's a shame. And if you look at the movies and you look at Bond villains, right, Mads Mikkelsen, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he's almost the Christopher Lee of our modern 21st century. Yeah, I can yeah? see, that, I can yeah. see that, compar- yeah. that comparison, yeah. Yeah. And and that's it, and that's the thing, and I don't know. I just I just think it's such a shame that he got lumped into a bad movie that had bad reviews, and that everybody's gone. He's not a great Bond villain. No, no, I I, I actually really like that film. But I love that film. But I'm, I've I got a real soft spot, it. real soft spot for uh, Roger Moore. You'll be the death of me yet, Nick Knack. Yeah, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, you're not allowed to like a Roger Moore Bond film now, are you? Oh, well, I go because, against um, everything. So. Daniel Craig, you know, boom. Anyway, so but then later on in his career, he he did the the eighties thing where he was doing uh, low budget stuff. He did Gremlins too, as most people remember. Yeah, I love that film. Yeah, I love that film. Uh, but then, almost you know, in his in his eighties. Yeah. He got a resurgence yeah. with the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I know, I know. And it's and it's And then they caught 
is big scene out. It's a shame. And they so shouldn't have done it. Yeah. And and you know what? I love one thing about him and if you look on YouTube you'll find this, yeah. They're talking about um well, you know, the most important scene in Lord of the Rings. How do you feel about it? And he knew what they were getting at and he went, Well, you know what? It's bad because it is the most important scene in the three books where Saruman, the guy who brought a lot of this about, yeah, comes face to face with everybody, yeah? Bang, yeah? But he said, that, and you know what he said about this, mm. right? He said, I suggest you buy the DVD. <laughs> I thought, wow, you're you're so much cooler than I am. That's amazingly diplomatic. Yes, it is, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. How cool is that? He's so good to say that. And one of his other final roles, Count Dooku. Yes. In the the second and third And you know I am a big fan of those films, so I don't care what all the Star Wars guys say about that. And he also did a lot of work in his his later years with Tim Burton. Yeah, he did. Who gave him the fellowship at the the BAFTA. Yeah, and um, we're going to finish in a minute. And um, he says thank you for one of the uh, to one of the best directors of the uh, age, yeah. And he's talking to him and the closing speech of it. And uh, I find it really quite odd that me and you have not spoken about what we're going to play tonight. Mm. But it is the BAFTA award All that right. ends the show. Well, there you go. With with Tim Burton, so. I think on that one, I think we've sort of done. I think I think um, the the words and hopefully the words have, have oh yeah have given people the idea of what this this man meant to us. Oh yeah, and you won't see him again. You won't, and I mean that. You won't see um, the like of him again. No, no, not like him. Um, and I've said that a few times over the last ten, twenty years, and. I think this really is the last real legend. Yeah, I know. And um, I'm going to miss this guy so much, it's untrue. But you know what? I'm going to enjoy everything he did so much as well, so that's fine. And on that one, I think we need to say uh, goodbye till next week. And um, And thank you. And 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 thank you, Sir Chris. I do feel a little bit like the man who said, uh, I can't wait to hear what I've got to say. (laughs) But uh, I'll do my best. Wise and generous members of the committee, (laughs) my fellow thespians, many of whom are involved in this. I thank you all. This is a truly great honor. A great, great honor. Two things really make it so. The fact that this was voted to me by my peers 
And secondly, that I received it from one of the great directors of our age. I think there was a newspaper this morning that said I was probably going to cry. Something I don't very often do in films at any rate. But it's a very emotional moment for me. Uh, I'm thankful that uh, I don't follow in the steps of the great Stanley Kubrick whose award was posthumous. And uh, I would like to say, my God, that this is without a doubt the finest image I've ever had. Acting is not just about dreams. Acting is also about memories. Memories of the films you've been in, memories of the characters you've played. And I have many very happy memories of films that I've been in and of characters that I have played. But far more important to me 
is the memory not just of the films that I was in or the characters that I played, but the memory of two particular people. Not just professional colleagues and not just close personal friends. Far more than that. And here is the first. I don't know what one of us had said to the other. Probably we'd been doing Yosemite Sam or Sylvester the Cat or something like that because we both loved those films. But this was on the set of The Gorgon in 1965. I obviously, as you can see, wasn't dressed for the scene. Peter, I don't even have to add his second name. Peter was, as you can see, dressed for the scene. This picture is of the other. And I don't think I have to give his second name either. Just simply Vincent. This was, I think, the first film we ever made together. I'm sort of half-dressed. And I'm not quite sure, again, what I said or what he said. But it was anything to do with the game of chess. I certainly said that I knew absolutely nothing about the game. And Vincent, of course, who knew everything about everything, was probably a grandmaster. Wouldn't have surprised me. They were both grandmasters of their art and more important, as human beings. <laughs>